You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. This morning, uh, today is part uh, five of a six-part series called Vision. Uh, and I tell you, I've really been looking forward to preaching this one. I'm not used to being out of the pulpit. And uh, so it's kind of like saying sick them to a dog this morning, okay? But we've been in this series uh, called Vision. And I want to share with you the antidote to the greatest enemy of vision. It actually rhymes with the word vision. It's called division. Division. Nothing causes you to lose your vision faster than conflict and division. And today, think about this. It seems like conflict and anger are at an all-time high, doesn't it? And you may ask, why is that? Well, for an explosion to take place, you have to have three elements. First, you have to have fuel. Second, you have to have containment. And third, you have to have a spark. But that second element is very interesting, containment. So I can take a gas can and pour gas on the concrete and throw a match, and guess what? We will have a fire, but we will not have an explosion because there is no containment. Understand that. It must be contained somehow for it to explode. Now, you can immediately see the parallels to what I'm talking today about today to all the conflict in relationships. Well, why is this? It's because for the last two years, we've been in some type of Containment. Can I get an amen on that? For a long time, uh, due to COVID, we were in a period of containment. We had quarantines, stay-at-home orders, and we've had <coughs> social distancing, masks, vaccines, and all other kinds of limitations on our normal freedoms. We felt contained. And that containment is very frustrating especially for those who are control freaks. Amen? But a lot has changed now. But guess what? We are still in danger of explosion. If you've had more conflict, more conflict, more explosions, it's because of that containment principle, because it has built up. We all get frustrated, if we'll be very honest this morning. You see, when it's all contained and it's bottled up, even the smallest spark can set you off and create a huge explosion of anger, hurt, I mean hurt feelings, disappointment, and conflict. Is that true? Is that true? Now, the opposite of division and conflict is harmony. That's what we're going to look at today. And I'm going to give you four biblical principles on how to maintain harmony in your home, marriage, family, and your small group, your church, and your neighborhood, a little bit everywhere. Now look at Ephesians 4, verse 3. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So the question is, do you strive earnestly to keep the harmony of the Spirit in your home? Are you working at harmony in your relationships in your small group all the time. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. 
says, God is not a God of disorder, but of peace as in all the congregation of the Lord's people. You see, God wants harmony in your life. And if you're married, he wants harmony in your marriage. If you're in a small group, he wants harmony in your small group. He wants you to have harmony at your work, in your neighborhood, in your church, and everywhere you may go. But since the pandemic, there have been several articles written saying that churches are more divided today since the Civil War. These divisions concern three different areas where opinions differ widely. First, surveys showed members of churches were divided over how to respond to the COVID pandemic. Duh. In many churches, even today across America now, not saying right here, church attendance is still only between 30 and 40 percent. I visited a church in Indiana, is at about 60 percent. I visited a church in Alabama, they're at about 70 percent. And we're probably running around that 75 percent margin. And let me just say again, for those of you who are home watching on live stream, if you have an excuse to not be here, that is understandable. But there's no better place than being in the house of God and not forsaking the assembling of the saints. Amen? It said also, in many churches, around 25,000 churches have closed their doors the past two years. Second, surveys showed that churches were divided over race. And third, surveys showed that members were deeply divided over politics. But you know what? The Bible has a lot to say about divisions. In fact, there are 40 different do not let commands in Scripture that address just that. And yet they're so practical, so applicable to everything we're going through in our culture today. So today I'm just going to share some of those do not let commands. Not all 40, okay? You're okay with that? And categories. And just kind of categorize them as four principles for maintaining harmony and preventing explosions. Okay, so here is the first one. Reserve judgment until you know all the facts and the whole story. I had a pastor friend of mine tell me a long time ago that it is a mighty skinny pancake if it only has one side. Amen? Now, that's the first principle of harmony. Are you the kind of person... That if there's a conclusion within 50 yards, you jump for it. Are you quick to think the worst about people? We even see this in our news, don't we? There's no unbiased news anymore in the media. Everything is biased. And every night, regardless of what channel you watch, you're going to get three hours of strong opinion, not necessarily news. They often leave the, uh, out the parts of the story that don't match their opinion. Did you know that? But in today's information society, there are two vital qualities that you need to work on as a Christian. You know what they are? Sound judgment and discernment. Friends, too many gullible Christians out there are willing to believe anything they hear or read on social media. They don't stop and question it. They just automatically accept it. Well, here's the first principle. Proverbs 3.21. My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. What do I not let out of my sight? Sound judgment 
and discretion. He's saying, don't throw away your common sense. Don't believe everything you hear. That's going to cause conflict, isn't it? What does pers- uh, preserve mean? It means you hold on to something. It means you don't quickly throw it out. He says that it's going to be the first thing that will help you have harmony in your home and everywhere else. How many times have you assumed something with your spouse or friend and you got into trouble over it? Don't be so quick to condemn and to criticize. Don't assume you've heard the whole story. When you assume you've heard the whole story or you know all the facts and you jump to conclusion, it's going to create conflict. Amen? Proverbs 18.13 says, If one gives an answer before he hears, it is the folly, his folly and shame. Now this is the first principle to lower the explosion level in your life. Don't decide before knowing all the facts. Listen for the whole story. In other words, don't get ahead of the master and jump to conclusions with your judgment before all the evidence is in. You know, one reason that I don't really post much on social media, I really read a lot of social media, is because I have learned that people take anything you say And they'll interpret it and amplify it to mean whatever they want it to mean. They make snap judgments without getting all the facts and the full story. All of us need to realize that everybody has a filter for everything we hear. Now, listen. When you say something to your spouse, to your friend or a family member... You may mean it one way, but they likely are going to hear it in a different way. If you don't understand that, you're going to have a lot of conflict. When you assume they understand what you meant by what you said, instead of what they think you meant, you're going to have conflict. How many times have you ever said to your, like me, to my wife, but Lord, this is what I meant. Well, that ain't what I heard. You ever done that? Got yourself in trouble? See, we say stuff all the time that people take in different ways. And next week, I'm going to be talking about how we offend people. Well, I know I've offended people. I don't do it on purpose. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. But we're going to talk about that next week. But we say stuff all the time that people take in different ways. We didn't mean it that way. That's why the Bible tells us to reserve judgment. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 says this, Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. Boy, that's pretty good, isn't it? He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. Now, that's a long time to wait, isn't it? Huh? Until that comes... You can forget trying to figure out people's motivations. Ephesians 5, 6. It says, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. See, there's another do not let. 
Now, that command is the most repeated do not let command in the Bible. In fact, six times in the New Testament, God says this. Do not let anybody fool you with lies. Six times. Isn't that a warning we need to hear in today's culture? Today, we're gullible. In today's culture, we now have many well-meaning and sincere Christians who are just spouting things that are simply false. And that's why the Bible talks about we have to test everything in the Bible by God's Word. That's how you test things. If they don't have a verse for it, you shouldn't automatically accept it. Amen? You shouldn't. We need to think about that. The question should always be, what does God's Word say about it? That's the first principle. Reserve judgment until you've heard all the facts. Now, here's the second principle for maintaining harmony. Be sensitive and empathetic to what offends others. Now, listen. We must care about the things that offend other people. Now, the Bible's got a ton of things to say about this in relationships. 1 Corinthians 10, 32. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. Now, you talk about a hard verse, whether they're Jews or Gentiles. In other words, it means Christians and non-Christians, okay? Or the church of God. Now, today, this principle of being sensitive to the offenses that are caused of others is more important because it seems like everybody, especially this day and age, has a chip on their shoulder. We all get offended easily And we all offend others easily. Even the Word of God offends people every Sunday. Did you know that? But in that context, God tells us that if we're truly Christian, and we're really trying to be Christ-like, we are called to do two things. First, we're not to take offense from others. Now, a lot of others, a lot of verses basically tell us don't let yourself be offended by anything. Second, we don't do anything that causes others to be offended. Those are marks of a Christian. Now, I won't ask you to raise your hands, okay? But I wonder if you would admit that you're often insensitive to the impact of your words and your actions. I mean, can you admit that? I wonder how many will say, I have sometimes been insensitive to my spouse, to my children, to my fellow workers, to my friends, or whatever. I have sometimes been empathetic to what offends him or her. I have not always been empathetic to what offends others. I'm not as sensitive as I think I am. Well, let me ask you another question. Can you quickly think of five things that you do that offend your spouse? Now, if you can't think of five things to offend your spouse, Uh, that defend your spouse, I guarantee you, if you just ask them, they can tell you. You believe that? It's far easier for you to think of five things that other people do that offend you, isn't it? That's human nature. I can think of things that offend me. I have a hard time thinking of things that I do to offend others. For example, when Lori and I do marriage retreats, sometimes we like to ask this. Can you write down three positives, three things you love about your mate? And the other side, we usually do first. 
We say, can you tell me three things that you just don't like about your mate? It just makes you go crazy. Okay, what about the three things that you love about them? Oh, takes a while. That's just human nature, isn't it? Huh? But this second principle of harmony is to be sympathetic and empathetic instead of being defensive when we cause an offense. 1 Peter 3.8 says this. Live in harmony and be sympathetic. They go together. Harmony, sympathy, and empathy go together. Now, this doesn't just apply to your marriage. It applies to any time you offend anybody. Romans 14, or four, yeah, 14, 16 says, So do not let what you regard as good to be spoken of as evil. Do not let what you know is good to get a bad name. Well, here's another great verse or statement of Jesus in Matthew 5, 25, where he says this, Settle matters quickly with your adversary. Now, this is a principle that you need in your marriage and every relationship and in every part of your life. If, you know, you hear in marriage, don't go to bed angry, okay? Listen, if you have a conflict or fight with anybody, don't delay. Don't let it fester. Deal with it as quickly as you can. Jesus said, settle quickly with an adversary. Time is of the essence because unintended wounds tend to get worse, don't they? You know that from experience. When you've had a fight with somebody and you don't resolve it, it doesn't get better, it gets worse. And Jesus says, settle quickly when you've had a conflict. Don't dilly-dally around. Speed is important in conflict. If you remain silent, it just allows things to really grow out of control. Now, Hear this, social media has some advantages, okay? It is a good tool, and we use that here. We're using it now. But it's a good tool to reconnect with others, okay? Especially if you live far away or to promote things going on. Like, for example, you know FaceTime. So we have kids, we have family in different states, and it's easy, and we love FaceTime. Still not like being there, amen? But it's, it's a good thing. But we've all, listen, but social media also has a dark side, that can spread division and hatred faster than anything we've ever known. We've all seen well-known people crash and burn in the instant response to something they posted. Stuff takes on a life of its own very fast on the Internet. Did you know that? Let me pause right here because the Internet is causing a lot of conflict today. Now, we're talking about how to resolve it. There are three big dangers you need to keep in mind if you use social media, okay? So let me just give you some guidance as your pastor who loves you, okay? If you want to minimize conflict and you're using social media, three things to remember. Never forget this. First, no matter what you say it's going to be misunderstood and misinterpreted by somebody. You can count on that. If you put something out there and thousands or even millions of people might see, don't be surprised that they misunderstand it, okay? They're likely to have a negative comment about it. And it's going to travel faster and farther than any positive you could possibly say. The second danger, 
is that everything you post on the internet become permanent even if it's a lie. Did you know that? It becomes permanent, global, searchable, and repeatable. Before you post stuff, you need to say, do I want this to be permanent, searchable, global, and repeatable? Third danger is that if you don't apologize for something that people are offended by, or you correct it or challenge it immediately, you lose the battle in about an hour because the critics aren't going to wait for your clarification, are they? So, if you don't move quickly to correct something on the internet, people are going to think it actually represents you. When you hurt somebody's feelings or you've offended someone, the best and quickest way to resolve it is to apologize and ask for forgiveness, okay? Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. And guys, all of us need mercy. Amen? I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, people just shouldn't be so sensitive. My wife started crying one time, and I said that. How do you think that went for me? Huh? You ever done that to anybody? You just shouldn't be so sensitive. Well, that's not the Christ-like response, is it? You need to remember a couple things. The first is this. Intent is never an excuse for impact. Saying I didn't mean it that way is no excuse. If you hurt somebody, it doesn't matter what your intent was. You still hurt them. Intent is no excuse for impact. Other people don't get to decide what is hurtful to you. Other people don't get to decide what is painful to you. You don't get to decide what is hurtful and painful and offensive to them either. They get to decide just like you get to decide what hurts you. So we have to work hard to make sure that our intent, our impact match as Christians, okay? The other principle you need to remember is this. God expects us to put the consideration and the feeling of others, the feelings of others, ahead of our own. There are a lot of scriptures on this one, but let's look at Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 3. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproach you fell on me. So do you want to be like Christ? Develop the attitude that when brothers and sisters get insulted, it hurts me. When you're insulted, I'm insulted because we're part of the body of Christ. We take offense for the offenses of others. We share their offenses. We don't get offended, but we are sensitive and we are empathetic when people are offended. Now, I reserve judgment until I know all the facts and the whole story. So we need to be sensitive and empathetic to what offends others. I don't get defensive. I don't say you're being too sensitive. I don't delay apologies. And here's the third principle for harmony. I limit my freedom 
out of love. Now here's another do not let command in Galatians chapter 5. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. In other words, you've got, a free, you've got freedom to do a lot of stuff. But does it mean you should just go around and do whatever you please? He says, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In other words, you're not going to be pleasing yourself. You're going to be pleasing those around you. You're going to be taking care not to offend others. Romans 14. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Now, you understand the church in Rome was having a conflict. They were fighting on whether to eat meat or be a vegetarian. I mean, it was a big fight. I mean, Paul had to talk about it, okay, both in Rome and also in Corinth. Now, I know when we moved here, one or two dishes that we came across that's popular here is called beef and noodles, chicken and noodles. Anybody ever ate it? Well, how would you like to eat nothing in noodles? Huh? That's kind of like eating spaghetti without the meatballs. Now, I'm a meat eater, and I love vegetables, but I've been in on this fight. So I'm trying to get my way. I want to make sure I got some meat in the game. Y'all understand? They were just normal human beings like we are. So they had this argument. He says this, do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. So what am I doing there? I'm limiting my freedom in love. But I limit my freedom out of love. I mean, do I have the right to do those things? Yes, limiting my freedom in love. But I limit my freedom out of love. This principle of limiting my freedom out of love is one that God expects us to practice both with Christians and with non-Christians. Let me show you two verses. First, with Christians. 1 Corinthians 10, 24. Let no one seek his own good but the good of his neighbor. I'm not just to think about what's best for me. I'm supposed to think about what's best for others in my church family. 1 Corinthians 10, says the same thing with non-believers. Paul says, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be what? Saved. You don't want somebody to go to hell because you offended them as a Christian, do you? Now, let's review. If I want harmony in all of my relationships, in my small group, in my church, in my marriage, in my home, in my church, first, I reserve judgment. I don't make snap judgments. I don't jump to conclusions. When I hear something, I don't all, just immediately assume the worst. I reserve judgment until I know all the facts and the whole story. Second, I'm sensitive and empathetic to what offends others. We don't go and say, you shouldn't have offended me. No, I'm sensitive. I get to choose what offends me and tell you that hurt. You get to choose and say to me, that hurt. I don't dismiss it or demean it. Third, I limit my freedom out of love. And finally, the fourth and last principle for maintaining harmony and preventing explosion. Always, 
always, always be humble and kind. Now, there are a ton of do not let commands about this point, but let's just look at a few of them. Philippians 2, verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. What I've discovered is that pressure is an interesting thing. Now, people deal with stress and pressure differently. I have noticed uh, how they respond. It's kind of like a tube of toothpaste. If I put pressure on that tube, what's going to come out? Well, you may just say, well, toothpaste. No, not necessarily. I mean, if it's got olive oil or refried beans in it, that's what's going to come out. Amen? So whatever's in it is what's going to come out. It's the same with a person. Whatever is inside is what is going to come out. Understand that. It's pressure. That's true of us. When the pressure is on, what's going to come out is really what's on inside your heart. It's going to spill out when you're under stress. And as a pastor, I deal with a lot of people. And I want to tell you something I've learned. Under stress, people become nicer and patient, more patient. Nice people do. But mean people become meaner and less patient. Bullies become bigger bullies. Angry people become angrier. Opinionated people become more opinionated. And you know why? Because whatever is inside of you is what's going to come out when you're under pressure. See, I did not cause what came out of you. I revealed what was in your heart. Make sense? And vice versa. So understand that this morning. Romans 12, 16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Do you do that? Do you give equal respect to everybody? Pay no regard to social standing. Be humble. This is what humility is all about. Be humble and meet people on their own terms and don't think you know it all. Here's another do not let command. Proverbs 3.3, 3, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. You mean I have to be kind all the time? Yep, if you call yourself a Christian. Of course, here's the number one thing that humility will change in your life. When you are humble and kind and really want more harmony in your relationships, the way you talk will change. The words you use and the way you say them will change. What you say and how you say it is the cause of most conflicts, if you'll be honest. I like what the message says in James 3, 6. He paints a good picture here. It says, a careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can destroy. But by our speech, we can turn harmony into chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it. That smoke is from the pit of hell. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Ephesians 4, 29, which is a very uh, familiar verse to most, but let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. In other words, I'm supposed to talk about stuff 
that build you up and meet your needs and only those things that build up, never anything that tears down. Don't you think if all of us in this place practiced that verse, we'd have a lot more harmony and a lot fewer explosions? Amen? Okay, let's just review it again as I close. There are do, these are just do not let verses, okay? I reserve judgment until I know all the facts and the whole story. So my question is, will you commit to that? Will you say, I'm going to start doing that? I'm going to not be rash when I hear something about me or I hear something about my husband or my wife or I hear something about anybody. I'm going to reserve judgment until I know all of the facts and the whole story. That will spare a lot of conflict and explosions. Second, be sensitive and empathetic to what offends others. In other words, I don't get to choose what hurts you. I don't get to demean it and say, well, you shouldn't be hurt. The only proper response to be humble, sensitive, and kind and confess. Third, I limit my freedom out of love. I'm free to do all kinds of stuff, but I limit my freedom out of love. And lastly, always be humble and kind. Now, when I say these four things, these do not let commands, do you know what they really are? They're just being Christ-like. Treating people the way God treats you. If you do that, you will have fewer explosions and more harmony in your marriage, in your home, in your small group, in your neighborhood, and in your church. Will you bow your heads as we come to our invitation this morning? As always, this altar is open for prayer, and our pastors will be here if you want us to pray for you or for a specific need. But if you don't know Jesus and you want to ask him into your life, do not delay. Today is the day of salvation. If you say, I don't know that if I walked out of this room, Pastor, today and, and I died, that I'd go to heaven. And I've really been wanting to settle this once and for all. Pastor, I want to repent of my sins and place my faith in Jesus. And I do believe in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If that is the desire of your heart, and you admit that you're a sinner, and you acknowledge Jesus died on the cross for you, and you want to receive his free gift of eternal life, you can ask him to be your Savior. Just pray this prayer silently to yourself. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Please come into my life and save me. Cleanse me of my sins and come live in me. I'll place my faith and trust in you. Guide my life and help me to do your will. If you just prayed that prayer, we'd like to give you something that will help you grow in your faith. Just come to one of our pastors and tell them that you prayed this prayer. For the rest of you, maybe you're here today and maybe you're like me. You need to practice at being a little more humble, being a little more kind, reserving judgment, being a little more empathetic, a little more sympathetic. There's a lot of things we all need. None of us are perfect. Nobody in this place, including your pastor. As I've said, we're all a mess. But God comes and makes something beautiful, all the messes. Father, today, Lord, I just pray as every Sunday we're here that God... We all have warts. Lord, we all have scars. Lord, we all 
in here today walk with a limp. But God, we thank you that in spite of the mess that we are, you come and you clean up the mess. So Lord, today for those who may have prayed that prayer, that God, they would come boldly and profess that to us. Others, Lord, that may just come and just need to be prayed with or maybe come to the altar and work on some of these do not let commands. Whatever needs to happen today, I pray that it will happen. And I ask all this in your name and for your sake. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast. We hope you are encouraged today and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.